Hey all, I'm Olivia Ross, your Extension Manager for Beef and Lamb New Zealand, and I'm here today recording a break feed podcast following the Progressive Ag Conference held in Gore in early August. Today we're talking the benefits of hogget mating, and I'm joined by agribusiness farm consultant Dean Carson and Southern farmer Geordie Ede. Welcome, Dean. Hi, hi Olivia, how are you? I'm good, and how are you, Geordie? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Olivia. Dean? Thanks. Thanks for taking your time to come and join us today to record this podcast and hopefully be able to give farmers a little bit more look into what you have experienced and with your own hog at lemming and also to be able to hear, give them some tips and tricks and how that fits into their system potentially into the future. So let's get started in regards to just finding out a little bit about both of you. So let's start with you, Dean. Just give us a little bit of background of where you're from and what you do. Okay, um, yeah, I live down in Invercargill, or just on the boundary of Invercargill and, and rural Southland. Um, I, I've been a farm consultant for about 15 years now, um, and prior to that, I've done a little bit of work in a similar job to you, Olivia, um, and also egg research. I, I worked as a, as a science technician for egg research. Um, but yeah, Southland born and bred, um, parents had a transport and a farm, and yeah, I guess I, I've been sort of looking at agricultural systems, you know, pretty much my whole career. And, you know, I'm, I'm capable of doing pretty good analysis and, and have done quite a lot of analysis of those systems over the years. And over the years, you've obviously been dealing with a lot of different farmers and seen a lot of different systems. So you'll be able to draw on those experiences as well. Yeah, it's, it's one of the jobs of a consultant is to, I guess, pick some of the winning um solutions that farmers farmers put in place um, combined with a bit of science and, and spread the word uh, so you know, I think that's part of my job and I do you know I take that quite seriously and try my best. Awesome well thank you for joining us and taking some time out of your day. So Geordie you're a southern farmer so based down there in the Pirakino Valley so do you want to give us a little bit of background of you where you where you are and what sort of farm you've got down there? Yes, we uh, we live 40 minutes west of Invercargill on a property that's sort of right up a valley, sort of borders onto bush, and we've been here approximately 20 years, and in that time, that's when we started Lamb and Hoggets. Uh, we run a sheep ratio of 90% sheep, 10% cattle, and what else can I tell you about the property? It's a very um, reliable rainfall property, um, probably a bit more happen a bit more often than we need it but uh, you can never never not have enough but we intensively lamb hoggets we have 2,000 just over 2,000 ewes and we lamb 600 hoggets um, we intensively finished them and we just sort of wanted to get more fat in the system originally when I come back home to the farm we were dabbing with lamb and hoggets we were with Romneys so we changed to Tefrons we've been with Tefrons since and I always aimed and said I wanted to get my wages out of the hoggets and, that, and we achieved that probably in about the third year of doing it. So we've never looked back. Um, we've probably reached a threshold that I'd like to keep going, but we've reached that easily, that 100%. So I'd probably just want to keep moving on above that and, and find where the end is. We're not at the end yet. So, yeah. Awesome. And what just to give those listeners a little bit more bigger picture to understand your property, what kind of topography and land is you sort of... Uh, we're probably about 40% flat down to river flats and we back right up to the hills of 
10% steep and, and approximately the sort of 30% in between, 30-40% between the sort of semi-rolling. So we've got a really good mixture of, of property and sort of all the flats are underlying river uh, gravel. And so um, we've got a good mix from, from a bit of rolling to flat. Cool. And you're wintering the both your ewes and your hoggets on forage crops? Yes. No, just my hoggets are all grass wintered to try and keep that continuous growth rate. But to do that, I put all my cattle stock ewes on crop. So they're on crop for approximately sort of 60 days, somewhere between 45 and 60 days, really. And then, yeah. Awesome. We'll come back to that hoggets size uh, later on. So, Dean, we'll just flick back to you in regards to, obviously, you've had a bit of experience, but let's have a look at back at hoggets lambing over the last 10 years and where you've seen it and where we can go from here and the real importance of it. Yeah, I've sort of gone back through the records, um, some of the beef and lamb economic service stuff and, and, and some of my records as well and, and had a look at what's changed and really sort of hoggett lambing started in the in the late 90s um, of consequence you know there was it was occurring in the 1960s and you know there was little bits of it going on but really sort of took off in the late 90s and um, sort of grew quite rapidly and then you know there's been sort of crashes in terms of um, how many people do it and how many lambs we get out of hoggets and I think some of those early experiences um, caused a few problems with a few people. They weren't great experiences. Hoggets were mated at reasonably light weights and people have sort of almost been switched off by some of those early experiences. And we've seen that growth in the hogget lambing, um, growth in production from hogget lambing has been quite slow. Um, and and in fa some farm systems, some areas it's actually, it's actually in, in decline. Um, and, and I guess, uh, we sort of got to ask why that is and, and I think there's not enough people talk about it, talk about the benefits and there's not enough analysis around it. So yeah, that sort of drove me to do a field of analysis with, with my database and, and with my clients and to try and understand what it is. Is it a genuine opportunity? And if so, you know, what are the success factors and, and how do I promote it? Because um, really you know, the number of lambs we get from hoggets um, New Zealand-wide sits at around 5% of, you know, of the total number of lambs we get. So it's a, quite a small proportion. You know, and, and an intensive southern South Island, we only get around 3%. So some of the properties we would expect hogget lambing to be adopted quite readily uh, are not doing it um, with a lot of intent. Um, you know, it's probably one of the areas where it could grow, and I think it probably should grow. Cool. So, Dean, just for those that are listening from outside our region, do you just want to give a little bit of um, understanding of how big a database, so that some of the figures we're going to be referring to today are coming from your, your database, so just so they have an idea of sort of the size of that? Yeah, so my, my database that I do, it's my sheep production database, um, which I started probably about 10 years ago, but has been done more intensely in the last four years. Uh, it runs around 65 to 70, 70 farmers contained within that database. Um, and I collect um, kill data um, on a weekly basis from those clients and I report it back to them. Um, and it's real life data, it's real life sort of analysis of, of what happens on farm. 
And what's interesting about the database is about 50% of my clients mate hoggets and the other 50% don't. So I can actually split the database quite well and look at those farmers that are mating and those farmers that aren't. And, you know, and, and what are the differences? Um, I can make adjustments for some of the geographical or, or slope or scale, you know, how big the farms are or how steep they are um, to make sure that I'm, I'm looking at them accurately and fairly. And there are some distinct differences and, and yeah, it's quite interesting. Awesome. Yeah, a database like that is just priceless when it comes to being able to do some analysis like this. So before we started, team, we had a little talk in regards to a few things that we thought would be really good for you guys to be able to have a chat about uh, at home. So we're going to um, talk about a few different things now, and we're going to start with that hoggett size at mating and how critical that is to get that correct so Geordie let's start with you you've um, already mentioned that in regards to you doing an all winter a grass wintering system to ensure that you maintain that hoggett size so you just want to um, the importance and why it is important to you and how you go about it on your system yeah well, we we pick hoggets that have been bred as a twin or a triplet so your approximate size when you're picking sort of the end of January beginning of February is probably not as big as what you would want if you're picking singles. So you really need to, from the day you pick them beginning of February, you need them doing at least 250 grams a day. So they need to be more preference than a worked lamb at, at least. And I think right up to mating, they need to be averaging really around that sort of 50 kilos to, I mean, at, to a minimum of 45. Well, rewind it back a wee bit, they need to be 70% of their mature body weight by the time they go to the ram and I think from being me being part of our Hoggett 150 RMPP group that we've found that any Hoggett that's over that 50 kilo mark your chances of having a problem with fur greatly diminish um, it's like the, the ones that you will have problems with are the ones that will be under the 50 kilos so to yeah to Rewind back, in order to achieve that, you need to be doing at least 250 grams a day, really, from the day you pick them in February for us to the mating in May. So are you putting in specialised lamb pastures, or how are you ensuring that you get to that 50 kgs? I did dab with specialised lamb pastures, but because of the climate where we are here, they don't tend to persist. So I've gone back to really just growing the clover and ryegrass and uh, just really maintaining quality. Because we have such an intensive lamb finishing operation, it, uh, the quality is maintained continually through the season. And I think that sort of flows onto growing the hoglet spell and just monitoring them every month uh, through that, that, that they are where they need to be. And yeah, and often they are where they need to be. And if they're not, then I suppose you've got to, you know, you've got to make preference to them, to your work slams, really, if you want to land them. And do you take out those that aren't getting up to those weights and performing to take any further? Yes, yeah, so I take 700 and I want that's cut back to about 650, well, 680-ish after shearing. And then you're down to probably another 10 out. And then by the time I came to mating, I'll probably take another 30 that won't have reached my cutoff point. Uh, a month out before they get their abortion vaccines, which is roughly around that 42 kilo mark. Um, recording that these are around about an average of about 38 when I, beginning of February. So they're not big, but they just go. And I find that with composites that uh, the bigger they are, yeah, you, you, your problems diminish. Yeah, so that's probably one thing we haven't touched on regards to your system. What is the breed you're actually running? 
Yes, we're a Teffron, which is a mix is a composite breed. It's a mixture of still half Robney, quarter Texel, quarter East Frisian. Now it's a stabilised composite that's been around really since, as Dean mentioned, the mid nineties. Uh, we didn't get into them till about two thousand and two, and we have been them been with them since really now. And uh, so we've got a sort of a fourth cross probably through our flock of of stabilised composite. Awesome. So, Dean, we'll flick back to you in regards to that. What are you seeing with other guys in re- that you're dealing with in regards to what they're doing to maintain that mating weight and also the breed? Is it a very popular breed across the pl- way or is there quite a variety? Uh, in terms of um, the weights, Geordie's nailed it. Um, you know, the, the, the one key message that we need to have is getting them to big weights by mating uh, eases a lot of the burden of, of hogget, hogget mating in hogget lambing. Um, you know, and, and it just means that they're more like a tooth when they go to give birth. Uh, you know, it's just so much easier to get to where we need to be. As well as um, the extra uh, value we get from, from uh, ovulations by having them at high weights at mating. And it's really just about prioritizing the feed. It's as simple as that. You know, as has been highlighted, you don't need a lot of fancy pasta or anything. It's about prioritizing the feed. Um, and, you know, and, and I, it's not for everybody. I've got a few farmers that I just say, you know, you're, you're not ready. Your hoggets are 36 kilos by the 1st of May. You're not ready. Um, but I've got other clients where, you know, they've got plenty of hoggets that could be mated. Um, and, and they're just reluctant due to some of the myths and rumours out there. Uh, in terms of genetics, I don't think there's any particular genetics you need. Um, composites do have some value in, te- in terms of, of hogget mating because they do tend to ovulate a bit better. Um, you know, and, and there are some potentially some advantages around, uh, I guess, uh, some of the early weights that they achieve, some of the some of the early mature weights. So, so there are some some small advantages. But I've got clients with with um, traditional breeds that do great great results as well. So I don't think you need to have any particular breed. And you know, I when I split my database out and I've looked at breeds, there's there's a range of breeds within those that mate hoggets. You you don't it doesn't need to be a special breed. Awesome. So opportunity there for just about anybody then. I think that leads into nicely. Let's have a talk about the benefits of hog mating versus not hogget mating. So start with you, Dean. Uh, what do you see as those benefits? Well, when I split my database in half, um, the, the, the key idea was to, to look at some of the, um, the striking features. And, and, and we know those people that mate hoggets tend to have a lower stocking rate. Um, they have higher lamb growth rates. Uh, but ultimately they make more lamb meat per hectare uh, than those farmers that don't make hoggets. Um, and it works out to be around, at a $6 a kilo carcass weight, it works out to be around $114 um, per hectare advantage. Uh, and that's making adjustments for slope and scale to make it sort of a fair analysis. Um, so, so ultimately, you know, some of the big opportunities are around making more money. Uh, and again, it's not for everybody, um, but I think uh, we, can, we can safely say that a lot more farmers can do it uh, with greater confidence going forward. 
Awesome. And Jordy, you've obviously been doing it for a while. So what have you seen as the benefits? Yeah, well, for the last 10 years, we've had a policy that everything that comes into a flock has got to have got a lamb as a hogget. So we've found a great benefit there that's flowed on to the ewe performance that uh, we're continually achieving around that 160-plus lambing percentage in the ewes. And I put that down to is the ewes are mature, they know what to do, um, and plus, as Dean alluded to there before, that $114, well, just based on last year, we were around that $300 extra in our gross income just from Lamb and the Hoggets. Mind you, we've got a wee bit few more costs, but I mean, at the end of the day, it still by far greatly exceeds what if we didn't lamb them. We've got them there. So, yeah, overall, it's, it, it, it greatly adds to our profitability of the property. Awesome, definitely helps with everything else. I'm sure the kids' Christmas presents would have an advantage as well. <laughs> so let's go on to in regards to, we've obviously got the benefits of our size. We've got the benefits of yeah, making a little bit more money on that bottom dollar. What do you see as some of those key drivers to hitting that, get to be able to make that little bit extra income and um, to hit that bottom line? So Geordie, we'll start with you. Uh, what do you see as some of those key drivers that, other than just getting that mating size? Uh, it's probably having, you need to be on top of your game with your management, there's no doubt about that. But I find it the other way around is that I've got actually less capital stock on. So it actually does make it easier on the fact of that is that you've got less capital stock. So you can actually concentrate and work harder on the stock you do have. So that sort of flows on to being able to feed them better. Um, I, I Something I didn't mention before there is I condition score my ewes. So lambs go into a paddock maybe a maximum of twice and then it's cleaned up ewes again. So that just keeps the continuous growth of those hoglets to keep going. But one thing I haven't said is I think it's compulsory that you need to give them their abortion vaccines. There's no doubt about that. Uh, we've also found that a high ram ratio greatly improves the mating as we've found that some hoglets can only be in estrus for eight hours. So you need a high ram ratio. And we've also, uh, putting those teasers out very early, you know, I'm up to 70 days and it's certainly reflected this year and it lifts swing rate because you sort of get reaching that conception at, at uh, later. Maybe, for example, with our Tefrons, I reckon it's probably the sixth plus conception that you're actually receiving where you're getting them pregnant, which in turn is normally often more a higher, uh, it's a, more likely to be a twin ovulation with having them catching those later ones. Uh, a few other things is I noticed most of our RMPP group, we pre lamb shear. Just, it's just something that it's a job done, busted, and it maximises the growth of those hoggets from when they have those lambs on them to tudus, which is probably the greatest influence on it. It just keeps them going, the tudus stage. Awesome. Great to see some findings coming out of the Red Meat Profit Partnership Action Network there as well. Dean, have you got anything to add there in regards to the key drivers? Yeah, I think, you know, there's a big question around labour and I get a few farmers going, oh, imagine how many lambs that is during October um, on labour weekends there. And they, you know, they get a bit concerned about the labour requirements. So my approach is always pace yourself. Um, you know, take on hogget lambing at a rate that you can manage. So I get a number of clients where we do 100 in the first year. We just mate 100 hoggets. And, you know, they might have 800 or 600 or whatever. I just try and get them to pace themselves. And they just mate the, you know, the heavier or the heaviest ones. And 
whenever I've done that, the farmers continue to develop and grow it. Um, they don't get a shock to the system. Um, they don't get, you know, sort of overwhelmed by, by the extra workload. They actually do it in a manageable way and they continue on with it. So pace yourself is a really important message. Um, and some of the mating tips that Geordie's alluded to are really important. I, I think that's some of the variability around uh, a hog at mating. Um, and one that, one that needs attention is often how long we mate our hoggets for. Um, the, what I'm seeing with clients is the, the mating period's getting longer and longer and longer. And I think for those farmers that are mating but want better success, um, then probably keeping the ram out for a bit longer would add value. And, and by that I mean I've got, you know, I used to, I used to have a lot of clients that would do 17 to 20 days, and now I'm seeing more clients doing 25 to 35 days. Uh, and it's not unusual to see 30 days as a mating period now. And, and there's value in that because hoggets are very shy maters. They, they may well ovulate, but they're just they're not great at, at chasing the ram down. Um, they, they, yeah, they haven't quite figured it all out. And so that extra period, just make sure that you know, there's, there's a couple of cycles there um, for them to get in land. And what about, you're probably seeing this, are farmers seeing a greater pasture quality overall, the benefits that come to that whole system with being special, yes, really focusing on feeding those hoggets well? Um, I, I haven't seen it. Um, I do think there's more profitability and, and often that profitability goes into more fertilizer and, and, you know, and, and sort of business development from that. So yeah, I think the potential's there for that to occur, but it's very hard to actually tell because we don't have great data around that stuff. Um, you know, the data just doesn't collect it around pasture quality, but I, I do believe you know, we make more money out of mating hoggets and that does give us the ability to invest in, into things that would provide better pasture quality. Definitely. Cool, so it's been great to be able to have this discussion today. And again, thank you very much for your time. Is there anything either of you would like to add or share before we finish up? Geordie? I think from, from my perspective, I think there's three things is that you need that hog it as big as you can get it. Before it goes to the ram, you need a high ram ratio. For example, we are one to 35. And I think you need to use those teasers as early as you can get them in there. And as many as you like, there's no harm. And so, yeah, that's the three key points from me. Awesome. And do, just one thing, question for you, Geordie, too, is in regards to when you, from the date that you lamb your main flock and your hoggets, uh, what's the difference with those? Is it, are they earlier or later in your... Yeah, it's 12 days. I lamb the hoggets 12 days after the ewes. And that's just to keep it going. I don't want that breather in the middle. I just want to flow on and, and we're all finished by Labor Weekend. That pulls it up. Otherwise, I used to have probably a three-week gap so then you had a lull in the middle there, but no, I've cut that out now. And it sort of, it, it keeps your quality, grass quality, everything really, by lambing them closer together. Keeps you awesome. at it. Awesome. Cool. Thank you. And Dean, anything else to add from your perspective? Yeah, I think for those farmers that are looking at lifting their lambing percentage, um, we know that per kilogram of live weight that we put into an animal, we'll get around four and a half times more ovulations from putting that, putting that into hoggets rather than into mixed-age ewes. And I'm sort of ignoring triplets in that calculation, but 
we get a lot more gain from putting weight into hoggets than we do from mixed ages in terms of ovulations. So it's a really efficient way of actually growing your business, um, using that grass in autumn and turning it into to more production and more profitability. Awesome. Thank you very much, team. Hopefully, all those listening, you've been able to get a better understanding of the benefits of hoggett lemming and taken some of those experiences of, of both Geordie and Dean to be able to add some more tips and tricks on how hoggett lemming may fit into your system. So thank you very much for joining us, and we look forward to you joining us on another podcast soon.